Namaskaram everyone hope you guys are doing good and welcome to Aishu's podcast Namaskaram everyone welcome back to the podcast today we have a very dear hatha yoga teacher from australia namaskaram ramiyanna Namaskaram everyone. Yes. So before we go into the podcast, I would just like to tell the audience, uh, the audio version of this, since it's going to be a long podcast, I hope will be available on Spotify, Anchor and Apple Podcasts. So Anna, with your permission, can we go into the podcast? Yes, of course. Let's go. <laughs> so Anna, like Jyotsnaka uh, uh, has been behind me. You have to take Ramya on this podcast. So here we are. And a uh, big shout out to Jyotsnaka also. So Anna, uh, with your permission, like, uh, where should we start it from? I would really love to know about your childhood and, you know, that's where we audience like to go, like before the Hatha Yoga, not the Yogi. We want the <laughs> small, uh-huh, small. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be audience caption 18 plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up, I had pretty regular childhood. Um, I grew up in a small town in Czech Republic. That's in Europe. Um, back then it was Czechoslovakia. Uh, so I had a normal childhood, was pretty happy. I was uh, very active when I was a child. I was doing a lot of sports. So sports and anything physical, I was always, um, it was very easy for me to get that. What kind of sports so, are like... Sports, <laughs> yeah, soccer. I did some martial arts when I was in high school. I could basically do any type of sport because yeah? my mom, my parents would always um, provide the opportunities and they would always push me to do as many sports as possible. Both of my parents, they love sports. So it was in our family. And my sister wasn't that inclined to that aspect so much. Uh, so my mom was always like... Well, what is uh, that? What inclined? And I didn't get that. My sister wasn't that inclined to sports. Oh, that inclined. Okay, okay. Right. My, like, my, parents, uh, my parents just put it, put it on me and I was like, always happy with that uh, back uh, there's no absolutely no spiritual uh, seat in my family at all huh? so that was uh, when i was growing up yoga there was no yoga in my town pretty much yeah? maybe there were some basic exercise yoga classes but i've never been exposed to any type of yoga or spirituality my whole childhood or even uh, as in uh, in my 20s that wasn't really anything so my life was um, just ordinary you know i was doing what everybody else was doing in my town and in my country that means drinking a lot of beer and doing all these partying hard uh, what is like going... the favorite cuisine in Czech republic like what do you guys usually have like uh, to drink or drink and eat like what is the main like drink. oh <laughs> similar to our food is similar to german food so it's a lot of uh, slow cooked vegetable and meat so it's quite tasty but very very unhealthy uh, but this is just a diet I, uh, i grew up with so there was no kind of choice it was just what i was used to and of course you know in my country you're not a man unless you do, unless you don't drink a beer oh. so this is kind of the this is kind of the atmosphere you grew up uh, in and uh, so it's quite a um, narrow approach to how you eat and uh, how you're supposed to grow up um uh, things i get 
changed. Um, I was at the university in the second year of my university. I've decided I want to go somewhere far away and Australia was really far away. So that was opportunity for me to get, a, get out of my uh, small, uh, small town and small country. I just wanted to go and explore, you know, I had too much energy. I've been to the US a couple of times for a summer job and I just wanted to go somewhere far away. And uh, here in Australia, there was one person I knew. He kind of helped me with um, some basic accommodation. And so I arrived, not really speaking English with no working experiences. Uh, wasn't a smart move, always. <laughs> Is it? It's like when you, like, no one in your town usually moves out. Like, uh, that's, because um, my parents or all our parents would live in communism. You know? They didn't have the opportunity to get out, to travel or to just go wherever they wanted to. Yeah. So I guess that's why the older generations are pushing the younger generations, you know, go and travel, explore. We didn't have the chance, you know, if we had the chance, we would do that. So uh, my parents were quite supportive in that uh, aspect. Actually, I just sent my, my, my mom a message that uh, I'm going to Australia for two years. Uh, and that was it, basically. There's no big discussion. Just, you know, I'm going away. I'll be back in a couple of years. It's been 15 years. I'm still here. <laughs> but that's uh, it's a long story. Yeah. So I came, I came to Australia about 15 years ago. Like I said, um, you know, I didn't even speak the English. I've never really worked. I had a proper job in my life because I came straight from a uni which I didn't finish because I wanted to move over here. And I just started to, it was basically just about survival eh? in the first year or two, just um, I was living with other Czech people that didn't help my English. But after a year and a year and a half, I moved away from them. And I started living um, with a girlfriend. Uh, she was Aussie, yeah? she was uh, she was Australian, so that would uh, help me to get better at English. I would uh, one of my first jobs here. I think I was a removalist. That doesn't require much talking, just lifting. You know, that okay. was fine with for me. <laughs> <laughs> then I started working in hospitality as well. I had some. I uh, was washing dishes with other two Bangladeshi guys. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> so it was me and those two, and then. They called immigration on each other, and so they. Oh my God! Is it? They called immigration on each other. Yeah, there was this competition apparently in dishwashing uh, uh, business between the amongst the Bangladeshi or Indians. But anyway, I just you know I started doing jobs which didn't require any any real skills or language or language, and as I was uh, you know working, I would get slightly better job which would require a little bit more skill and a little bit more English and like this. I started uh, progressing into a better into a better positions. Uh, so I spent almost five years in hospitality, doing uh, various kind of jobs, bartending, you know, uh, just uh, waiter, uh, working as a waiter, uh, working in uh, like a hospitality clubs. Uh, I've also ended up in um, corporate catering, uh, which is a little bit more comfortable than uh, working in a restaurant, which can be a really hard work. And uh, after five years of uh, working in hospitality, I decided uh, I'm going to go into fitness. 
because that's always been part of my life yeah, i um, want to ask you how you are so fit a lot of men would be listening to this they would want a body uh, like you even me so <laughs> what is the secret <laughs> it you turn up for your workouts yeah <laughs> um so fitness has always been part of my life ever since i've started walking i was playing some sports or kicking some ball so i wanted to become a personal trainer a fitness trainer uh, and that um, as i was working in my hospitality job i was studying to become a personal trainer on the side that took me about a year then i pretty much got a job in a gym straight away uh, in a gym straight away so that was another chapter of my life pretty much I was transitioning from hospitality into fitness uh, at the same time when i started fitness when i was around i was 25 i think i had some sort of a spiritual awakening which uh, uh just happened to me i didn't do anything it just a uh, certain level of awareness came back into my life that was kind of the start of my spiritual journey hmm? don't exactly know what happens but a certain level of awareness just came back to me and uh, suddenly i started uh, reading a lot of spiritual books i started uh, i was really thirsty to know more about myself about you know just basic questions what am i doing here what a uh, lot of things were happening to me energetically as well at that time which i couldn't explain so it was a lot of confusion in the beginning as well as thirst to know more that's kind of what brought me to and what happened exactly can i ask you like take a little back like during that like what happened <laughs> like it's, uh, hard to describe it's it. I just, okay uh, I was just sitting in a room and this just this massive amount of energy and awareness just came back out of nowhere I knew for like two weeks I had a really intense feeling that something is about to happen and I just didn't know what so I was just sitting in a room looking around and something was happening then I kind of you know looking back now it wasn't happening around me it was happening within me you know but back then I didn't have I was not interested in spirituality or yoga that was just some silly stretching exercise back then you know? and it's just sudden a lot of changes happened internally at that time and that completely changed uh, the orientation of my life i started naturally looking inward i started looking or seeking i didn't know what i was seeking i just know i had this very urge or intense uh, intense feeling that i need to know more i'm need to explore something find something and um so i started reading a lot of books and one of the books i basically like never read uh, any books in my life and here i am ordering five six books from the internet just reading one after another which books i think uh, the audience will like uh, to know those are sort of random books completely random books and one of the books was sadhguru's book i think it was the mystics uh, midnight midnights uh, with the mystics So that was the very first uh, book I've read uh, from Sadhguru. That's basically how I found him, or kind of he found me. You know? <laughs> And um, after I've read that one, I've also read Mystics uh, Musings, which is a kind of you know that's a pretty heavy book. Um, so I kind of find resonated with um, what he was talking about in the books. but um still it was just intellectual knowledge and i've kind of recognized after a year of reading any uh, numerous uh, number of books that it's not really getting me anywhere and i'm naturally physical i like to do things i'm more oriented toward action rather than 
intellectual uh, intellectual things. So I started looking for something practical, and uh, I wondered on um, on uh, Isha website because in in the book there's an address to website. So I went there. I kind of I remember the first time I was, was reading about in engineering. It kind of didn't interest me that much. It just sounded like a lot of theory. So I didn't even finish reading the description. Then I came back to it, I think like two weeks later. And I'm just, um, I was like, you know, I had this intense feeling, I have to do something, I'm looking for something. And I'm reading the description of in engineering um, again. And, when I, and then I come down to that where it says, I'm going to learn a practice Shambhavi Mahamudra. And that's what I was looking for. I didn't read further, I just registered and that was it. I knew this was what I was looking for. I had no idea what it was. I've never done yoga in my life. I just knew that was what I had to do. And back then uh, here in Sydney, uh, in engineering would only happen once a year uh, because Isha started in Australia 2010, I believe. And this course was the second in engineering uh, course here in Sydney. Oh. So it was quite lucky that when I was reading about the course, it was happening in about two or three weeks time. Uh, I still have a photo on my wall from that uh, program. I think it was about 20 people. Huh? Uh -huh. That was it. <laughs> These days. Is it there what, in this room? You can show at the end of the video. It's not here. Oh. I've got it around, I've got it around the corner somewhere. Hmm? So that was kind of the core of Isha Australia, which was formed uh, 10 years ago. And Isha has been growing ever since. I've done a lot of volunteering and we're still in touch with a lot of the people from that, uh, from that course. Um, a lot of the, quite few of the people are the, the major volunteers here in Australia and there's some Hatha Yoga teachers. So it was a important, uh, important um, kind of foundation of Isha here, which happened here 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so where are we now? I was in, <laughs> so how was that program? Like what actually happened? <laughs> okay, nothing happened. Nothing. Mm, I was, <laughs> I was, you know, I had some certain uh, experiences during the awakening I had when I was 25. I even uh, spontaneously left my body for several seconds and I had no idea what was happening. Fortunately, I had a friend with me. He kind of explained me what uh, leaving uh, body is about. Uh, so when I went to in engineering, uh, I thought that's what's going to happen, that I'm going <laughs> to go to some different dimension, because that was the only thing I knew back then. Yeah? I've never done, you know, I didn't know anything. So I had some expectations, like, I don't know, something's going to activate. And uh, so I go through the program. I think I was the only one who paid up front, by the way. Yeah? So I was just like so sure that this is the thing I have to do. I did it. Uh, all I got was a lot of back pain. <laughs> back then, um, I had a bit of an issue with my back. Uh, uh, so that's pretty much all was, that's all what was happening. The first two years of my practice was just a back pain. You know? But there was something within me which just uh, made me to do the practice every day without, uh, without uh, you know, any exception. So I would just do my sadhana every day. It wasn't really doing anything, you know. Uh, of course, initially I had a lot of expectations. 
you know, you read in the books what things are possible. You know, if you read if you read five or ten spiritual books, you're gonna have so many ex expectations in your head, and you're gonna read about so many you know miracles you can do with your body and mind, and then all you get is a back pain. Uh, it's a bit disappointing, of course, but um, I just never gave up. Huh? Even even many times, I just felt like you know it's not doing anything. I didn't understand why should I be doing this every day. But there was something within me which just kept me going. So that was uh, that was kind of the beginning of uh, of my spiritual journey. Just a lot of a lot of back pain and a lot of, lot of expectations. But also, unfortunately, I've put in a lot of hard work as well, which uh, paid off years later when I uh, uh, when I did Bhavas Pandana. I don't know if I should talk about yes. the specifics of the program here. Uh, by the way, um, just wanted to mention that in, um, so I was volunteering in the early early years of my spiritual spirituality that would be after I've done in, in engineering here in Sydney, I would be volunteering for Isha Foundation here in Sydney, Australia. But there wasn't much to do, actually, because the course would only happen once or twice a year. But uh, I went to the ashram for the first time. I don't know which year was it, maybe 2012 or 13. I went to the ashram to Kumbhatur, yeah, I went to the ashram in Kumbhatur and um, I did Shakti Chalana Kriya program there, uh, which again, nothing happened, but you know, <laughs> like, nothing needs to happen. Yeah? It's just a certain practice, which, but of course, they some. you just want something to happen in the beginning. Huh? Right. It's just, just natural. Huh? Uh, by the way, I came back from the ashram and I already decided I wanted to go back for a longer time. But I had to finish certain commitments here in Sydney. I had to finish, kind of finish my job. Uh, I had basically just threw everything out of my window, which I didn't need, and just kept one backpack. And I went to India for, I was planning to go for longer. I ended up volunteering for three years. Where? And... In Ashram? You were in Ashram for three years? Yes. Yeah. Oh. 2013 to 16, oh. I spent there three years volunteering. And I was part of the homeschool. Oh. Again, it came... I ended up doing what I've been doing the whole life. Uh, I ended up being a sports teacher there in homeschool, which was pretty fun. I was working with the kids, you know, yelling at them so they have to run and get fit. <laughs> that was okay. I don't mind yelling at people to get fit. So that was pretty fun. That allowed me to, you know, experience ashram to the fullest. So while I was there, I did a lot of things, a lot of volunteering, a lot of different activities. A lot of work on myself as well. So I'm really fortunate I had this opportunity to spend there three years. Because I know many people would love to go, uh, spend time there, but they have commitments at home. It's just not everybody has to, or there is a virus these days, yeah. So a lot of people are not getting the same of opportunity I had. And that was one of the reasons which, uh, why I wanted to become a Hatha Yoga teacher, uh, to make this available to other people who can't go to India, spend so much time there like I did. Uh, I think, you know, I wanted to go back to Australia, but I wanted to bring part of Ashram with me and possibly offer it to other people. So that's uh, so far has been successful. You know? 
So I started my own studio uh, and uh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. But it's a work in progress, of course. Yeah. We've, I've opened the studio six weeks before the virus came last year, in January 2020. Uh, so it was a very- The one with the big Sadhguru painting? I see yeah, 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 it gets shared a lot. <laughs> that's the one, that's the one. Yeah. So it is Who a very, very- Who did that? Who did hmm? that? And how did you how did you get no, that? I've had a local artist to do that. Uh, that was uh, pretty spectacular. Yeah, we have a big uh, shutter door from a warehouse, so I'm living in an old warehouse conversion. Uh, it's a beautiful space with a really high ceiling, wooden beams, and exposed bricks inside. And from the outside, uh, there's a garage door, which a local artist painted with Sadhguru's uh, 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 as a Sadhguru photo. And it's really big, it gets attention. And every time, uh, uh, you know, Uber and the food delivery drivers from India pass, they always like, oh, he's from India. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> uh, so that was, um, I was really happy about that because it kind of puts Sadhguru on the scene. Uh, it got a lot of attention and, uh, Sadhguru does a lot of things for us, so I thought I would do something for him as well. <laughs> How was the Hatha Yoga teacher training? A little bit, whatever you can share. So there are a lot of people who want to do Hatha Yoga teacher training. There's a lot of expectation from it, but can you tell like what is it actually is and you know, like why you did it? For like, me, for me, I was already, already knew all the practices. You know, so I wasn't kind of worried about the sadhana part. I knew I'm, I knew I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> There's lots of, lots of yoga, but if anybody's kind of scared that they can't do that amount of yoga, it happens gradually. So even if you're a complete beginner, you can still attend the program. They have a very well structured, they guide you through it very well in a progressive way. So even, you know, if you have injuries or even if you have certain weaknesses, you don't have enough confidence in your physical body, it's still possible for you to do it. It's not gonna be maybe easy, but you know, it's, it's possible. I was more worried during the training about the you know, becoming a teacher part. I wasn't trusting my brain so much like I did my body. Uh, last time I was, I had to remember something was many, many years ago. You know? But um, again, the course is structured really well. So as long as you're not, you know, as long as you stay focused, as long as you're not uh, doing some monkey business around, you know, it's really, it's a beautiful way, not just how to become a teacher, how to grow internally and how to take advantage of uh, spending so much time in ashram, which can change you in many different ways uh, for the rest of your life. But it's again, it's individual. Everybody will have different experiences and uh, everybody will go through it differently. But everybody, anybody can come out a little bit shinier and more blooming a little bit more. I'm bending forward a little bit more too. <laughs> <laughs> so from there to your first class, and I, I noticed that for Hatha Yoga teacher, the first class is like very, so was there something like that? From the Hatha Yoga first class teacher? was actually at my, at my parents' house. I just did small class for two people, for my mom and my cousin. I think oh. it was just like a little, just, there wasn't a, yeah, there was just a demo class basically. <laughs> it wasn't for real. Uh, when I came back from my training, I started teaching at, uh, there's another teacher here in Sydney, his name's Abhishek, he has a studio in Paramatha, 
so I was teaching there and uh, that given given me opportunity to become a better teacher and to learn some basics of running a business as well these are two different things you know, being a being a teacher and running a business those are two very different things uh, that's something people need to keep keep in mind yeah right if uh, there's not that many opportunities to teach um, there's very few places where you can actually you know really get into teaching so that was great in the beginning to get uh, spend some time there but you know always kind of i'm very stubborn so i like to do things my way so after several months working there i was kind of you know already knew i just want to run my own business always been inclined to that so to start my own business so i just found this beautiful but very expensive place and <laughs> i just opened my own studio not really i've done a business budget and uh, you know i planned everything uh, properly for another place which was on the other side of the town i did all the uh, budget and planning and everything that original place didn't work out for certain reasons but then i was just browsing and i saw this place and for this place i didn't do anything i just liked it and just took it <laughs> oh just i'll take this one <laughs> uh, it's very it's very unique there's nothing like this around here uh yeah maybe one day you will see definitely yeah definitely i, I actually want to be there physically like i've seen it so beautiful <clears throat> in the page only that you have yeah so can you talk about instagram page like where can you where can they find you like i'm sure they want to see that sadguru right oh uh, <laughs> yeah so we have instagram page facebook page uh, we have website as well yeah so if you go to our website actually there's there's links to our social media uh social media platforms where you can follow us i'm not that active on instagram i'm not into social media myself too much okay. uh, like to do a lot of posts I'm not into it that much i have to do it because it's part of a business so i have to force myself always to do some posts not that effective in that uh, in that aspect uh, but still you know, you'll, you'll find lots on on our facebook and instagram so what kind of programs do you run means now because of lockdown i guess but before like when you start like so, what old... yeah right now we're in like 70 we've been 70 days in hard, hard lockdown right now Is it? Huh? So oh okay that's the most extensive lockdown we've had so far it's pretty uh, you can only go in 5 km radius from where we live and uh, we can fortunately we can go outside and meet one person So that's what I've been doing for the past few weeks. I've been teaching one on one in parks. Okay. That's the only thing we're allowed to do. Uh that's keeping me quite busy because a lot of people are interested in that. A lot of people meet me just for a practice class or uh, I've been even teaching some uh, programs outside. It's not the ideal way to do it, but right now a lot of people are, you know, looking for support in yoga. Uh so I'm trying to do the best uh, the best I can. uh just to give them the opportunity to to learn this ancient science <laughs> and uh, it's really nice you know weather is really nice these days so it's a bit different to do it outdoor being in touch with the five elements uh so it's just uh, another way it kind of i've never done that to teach outside not even not even to run a practice class so that's something the virus or covid-19 has you know has given me just another way how to uh, another perspective a perspective on how we can teach classes it's always good so it's been a lot of 
readjusting creative. Um, I had to be really creative ever since I started the business because there was one lockdown that was, you know, always something you know? doesn't stop. You always have to find a new way how to adjust to new situations, which is why I enjoy running a business on my own. Fortunately, I've also had a lot of people who helped me on the way without whom I wouldn't probably be here. So it's really important, I guess, that would be uh, one advice for anyone who wants to start uh, a business or a studio. Just find uh, people who align with your vision, find uh, people who believe and who understand what you're doing, and then they will help you in so many different ways. You know? Some people help financially, some people help with their knowledge, some jump with their time. And uh, once you create this core uh, group of people who are, who are basically the, the core of the business, um, then you can start and expanding the, uh, the student uh, platform, basically. So it's been, a, it's been a slow and steady growth, but um, it takes time for everything. I'm still within the first two years of the business, and uh, we've been in two bad lockdowns already, uh, and I'm still here. And if I survive this, I think, you know, I can survive anything pretty much. <laughs> awesome. Anna. So now like one question, like I get a lot is like some people are not able to connect with inner engineering or sometimes it's not Hatha Yoga also. So they feel like dropping the practices. So they ask, should I drop the practices? So in your journey, have you ever faced that doubt whether the practices are working? Like even though I'm doing so much sadhana, is it working or like, how does, how do you make over it? Or like, how do you get over that? You know, that yeah. times of yeah. doubt. As a teacher, I encounter this all the time. Yeah, um, different people connect with different practices. Some people will not connect with the practice at all. Huh? So it's very hard to find uh, explanation and motivation why should they continue. For me, it's never been an issue. Even if I have a bad day, I don't want to do it. I still do it. There's a certain discipline within me, or I, I can't even explain it. But I always just get up and do it. Huh? But a lot of people don't have that. So it's just. Uh, you know, in that case, this is where some intellectual understanding, I guess, it's important. You know, uh, this is why it's good to follow Sadhguru, uh, Kana. Uh, you know, if you understand uh, why you're on this journey, what is he, where is he leading to? Uh, you might uh, more likely to stay on the path. You know? So it's good to sit down with, uh, I like to sit down with the students sometimes. Ask them, you know, why isn't done working and whatever they've been through, I've already been through that myself. You know, if they complain about pain, I always tell them, yeah, I spent the first two years just in back pain. Yeah. So and yeah, I've done the journey myself from the beginning. So I understand their obstacles and always try to help them. And um, some people, you know, they listen to me. Some people they just need to be heard and some people not need to find their own way you know? personally i don't understand their journey i don't even clearly understand my journey i'm just um, kind of devoted to Sadhguru, and he will take care of it but they may not have that uh, they may not have that belief in the beginning so there's lots of uh, the beginnings are very confusing that's why it's important to you know have a let's say a yoga studio in the neighborhood or even it doesn't have to be a studio. It can be a teacher or a volunteer who will guide you in the beginning. 
because not everybody will initially uh, connect with Sadhguru. Some people connect with Sadhguru, some people connect with he, what he says. It can be a quote, it can be uh, a local teacher or volunteer. So there's many different ways how the, uh, the devotees can find the support in the beginning. And uh, it's all working like a, one big organism. And Sadhguru is kind of filling all the gaps in between. And it's just one, one big amazing thing to be part of this. Awesome. So thank you so much. Have I missed asking you something? That's what I'm like. Have I missed something? <laughs> Have I missed something? <laughs> Is there something else you want to share? Oh, I mean, that would be, that would be a lot. No, uh -huh. We've covered the most things. Yeah. So I think we will, uh, if the audience has any more questions for Ramiana, you can put it in the comments. And then if there are enough, we will do another podcast. <laughs> if Ramiana's friend, if there is Ramiana's friends watching this, please put in the comment section what only omitted, like the fun parts. <laughs> and, uh, if anybody needs any advice on how to become a teacher or any advice on how to start a studio, branding, yeah. or any business. So related. yes, yes, I forgot that Anna. You have a like in your studio. No, it's not only yoga. You do something else, right? You help teachers. What is that? You shoot video shoots or photo shoots. You do for them. No, no. I basically just run Hatha Yoga. Sometimes people uh, rent my studio out to okay. do their own things. Okay. Uh, but that would only happen like once or twice. Yeah, otherwise, the studio is busy every day. Pretty much we run classes all weekend, evening, morning. And the studio is also available for people or our students to come in the morning and do their practice in silence. Oh, okay. Uh, that's basically the same way it's done in the ashram. Basically, every morning, sadhana time. Uh, but there's no guidance in the morning. It's just uh, it's the way it's traditionally practiced in India, just in silence. Uh, that's a very beautiful way how to start a day. So is there a sanity or like you have created a space? Yes, something? yeah, we have a sanity. We do sanity puja regularly, so that uh, really makes a big difference on how the whole space is energized and conducted. So awesome. Yeah, okay, so can you talk a little bit about Sanidhi before I leave you so that people have a lot of queries about Sanidhi and you know what it is? Sanidhi is a certain energized form. Uh, Sadhguru has consecrated for anyone who would like to take uh, kind of Sadhguru in his energy home. It's a very supportive, uh, it will create a very supportive space uh, for your spiritual growth. So I think as he explains this, this is not so much uh, oriented towards the physical uh, benefits of well-being like uh, Linga Bhairavi does it. This is more about inner growth, about connecting uh, with Sadhguru's energy, uh, uh, inviting him into his space and into 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 your space and into your life. And uh, pretty much even just, uh, just sitting in the space, uh, it will make you more meditative. And any doing any, any yoga practice in that space will make it more uh, beneficial, more effective. So if you have a little bit of space you can spare, maybe you can remove your television and replace it with sanity. It's uh, definitely worth it. So thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the podcast and spending your valuable Welcome. time. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Anna. So I hope to see you in Australia soon. Please come over. Huh?